Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, we're in 1 John. We're going through that book verse by verse. We're in chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 12 to 21. Now, they tell you that if you're a teacher, that one of the things you need to do in order for people to learn is keep repeating things. Have you ever known that when you're raising kids, how many times you have to tell them the same thing over and over again? Have you ever learned that as you get older in life, they have to keep telling you the same thing over and over again? (laughs) And that's what John is doing. He just keeps drilling this home. And so, John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, first of all, God's love is made clear through us. Through us. That's a very important principle to understand. I don't think we fully grasp sometimes how much God needs to show his love to this world through us. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God But if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Wow, that's just incredible. Now, a couple of things to understand in this verse here. First of all, God is invisible. No one has ever seen God. So we all try to make a picture of what God is like. First of all, God is spirit. He's not bodily form like we sometimes think. We don't see him. He he is invisible to us as human beings. So that being said, how do we represent God? How do we show people who God is? How do we show people what God is like? So he's invisible. But here's the miraculous thing. God dwells in us. He indwells in us. He lives in us. When you and I make a confession of faith, when we come to that moment where we say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. Uh, God, I know that Christ died for me. I know he rose again. I know he purchased my salvation. I don't understand all of that, but I know this is what happened, and I need you to forgive me of my sins, and I no longer want to live a life that is selfish. I want to live for you from this point on. At that moment, God lives in us through his Spirit. So God lives inside of us. He he doesn't just want us to tell that he loves us. He doesn't just want us to show that he loves us. He wants to live in us. He showed he loved us by sending Christ. He wants us to tell, but he wants us to know God lives in me. Okay, come on. That's that's a little better than just Think about that. In me today, as a Christian, God lives in me through his spirit. That's just, uh, he, he can't be seen, but he's in me. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes I feel that. Sometimes I have, wow, I, I can just feel him. Sometimes I don't, Right? But I I have to know that he lives in me. And so 
Thirdly, God's love is intended to be complete in us. God's love is brought to full expression in us. Now, let me just say something to you. Spiritual maturity is not measured by your age. Okay? It is not measured by how long you've been a Christian. I know people who've been a Christian a long time and they're immature. You probably do too. It's not measured by how long you've been a member of a church. It's not measured by how much Bible knowledge you have. It's not measured by your service. Spiritual maturity is measured by your love. Well, I really love God. Okay, good, glad you got that, but hold on to that because there's a little bit more to it. And so we come to that place where we recognize God's invisible. We can't see him, but he lives in me. He completes me. He fulfills me, and his love resides in me. John 13, 34, notice where he writes, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. The world doesn't believe in God because we have a right doctrine, although right doctrine is important. The world believes in God when they see the people of God loving the people of God, loving people. And so we come to that place where he says, look, I want you to love others just like I've loved you. Now, how how did God love us? Very simple. He gave his life for us. He laid down his life so that we could have life. And you and I love others by laying down our life for others. In other words, it's a simple thing. You don't live to get your own way. You live so that others can have their way. Now, you that are married, go home and talk about that for the rest of the night, huh? (laughs) But that's what we understand. So we come to that place where God has wanted to make his love clear through us. Secondly, we must make a right confession. We must make a right confession. So John says, Look, this is it. It's evident. His love's in you, wants to be fulfilled in you. Then verse 13, 14, and 15. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. Now, sometimes I think people get a little confused or a little mixed up. When I say the Holy Spirit lives in us, you know what else I could say and mean the same thing? God lives in us. Same thing. Christ lives in us. Same thing. It's God. And so what he's saying is he's given us his spirit. Jesus, remember, said, I need to go away so that another can come and he will be in you. 
And so we make a right confession by what we say and what we do. And the presence of His Spirit alive in us gives us assurance that we're living in God and God's living in us. And our conduct towards others will be in line with God's character. So when you tell somebody, I'm a Christian, what you are saying is, I believe that God lives in me. Now, there was some bad theology teaching going back years later. You and I do not become little gods. Okay? You're not, you, just trust me, you're not even close. But God dwells in us through His Spirit and lives in us. And when we confess we're a Christian, what we're saying is, God lives in me, and I live in God. In other words, when you look at me, it should be hard to distinguish between me and, and who I am and who God is, because my life should so reflect Him that my character is represented by the character of God. I am a Christ follower. I am one who follows Him. Thus, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you at a high price, so you must honor God with your body. In other words, I no longer own me. God owns me. And so when I invite Christ into my life and His Spirit comes and lives in me, in essence, I'm giving Him the key to the house and saying, it's yours now. You're in control. It's your place. You do what you want to do and help me to listen to that and follow that. And yet there's this selfish part of me that wants to get an extra key made so that I can do what I want to do, right? when I want to do it. And God says, well, you need to forgive. Well, I don't want to forgive them. Uh, the, look at what they did, how they hurt me. Look at how they go. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I should have. God says, who's in control here, you or me? And we have a hard time allowing God to be in control. Now, how do we know that? It's very simple. We have a hard time to let anybody else be in control and yet, if you love somebody, you're willing to let them be in control, correct? Okay, didn't get a lot of big amens there. I mean, that's just, oh boy, how do I deal with that one, huh? And so we come to that place where we recognize, I believe Christ lives in me. I believe the Spirit of God is alive in me. I believe He dwells in me and that I am His and He's mine and that I am to live a life that represents that because I want to represent him to the world. Now, when the first century church was first called Christians, it wasn't meant to be a compliment. It was a derogatory thing. But if we call ourselves a Christian, what we're saying is God lives in me and I live in him and he's in control of my life, and I want to demonstrate 
his character in this life that I live, and I do that best when I love others more than myself. That's a hard sell, isn't it? It's not an easy thing. But we have to make a right confession of knowing this is who we are. And then we should be confident of God's love. We should be at that place where we are absolutely certain that God loves me and dwells in me. Now, over the course of years, I've met people and talked to people. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I, I think I might be. Hold it. You either are or you aren't. And you should be confident of that. I'm just telling everybody in this room, everybody listening, here's the deal. If you've accepted Christ in your life, you should be living with the confidence of knowing God loves me, I love him, and he's alive in me, and I'm his. And you should know that. Notice what John says, verse 16. We know how much God loves us. Notice, we know. And we have put our trust in his love. God is love. That's one of the best definitions of God there is. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Talk a little bit more about that in a moment. We will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not truly experienced his perfect love. The more you love, the more you trust. You cannot love somebody without trusting them. God wants us to have a confidence of knowing how much he loves us. So, verse 16 says, we are certain of God's love. We sang it tonight, God is so good. But here's what we have to be certain about. God loves me. God loves me more than anybody else on this planet God's love is always consistent, it is constant, it does not change, it is never taken away. No matter how I live this life, God will always love me. Not only does he love me, but you put a name in your head of the worst sinner that you know, God loves them just as well. God's love, it's one character trait of him you can just be certain of, God is love. And you and I need to be certain of that. So if you love somebody, you always do what's best for them, don't you? Now that means that you don't always give them their, your way, their way, but you do what's best for them. And so we need to be certain of God's love. And then secondly, we continue to grow in God's love. So in other words, God's love is perfect, ours is not. And so what we have to understand is, I love people to the best of my ability, but I'm not completely there yet, and I've got a ways to go, but I'm not going to settle, well, I, I've got this much love going, so that'll be good enough to get me through. No, you and I 
should grow in that love that we have for other people that day by day, year by year, we should be better at loving people. That's part of maturity, isn't it? That you become mature enough that you can love others more and more and more. Your heart for people to come to know God should increase more and more and more as you grow in your walk with God. So we continue to grow in His love. He says, you know what? It's not perfect, but, but it's there. And so, and we have confidence in God's love. We know He loves us. We know that's not going to change. Because sometimes when we go through a hard time, and when things aren't going quite right, you'll hear people say, well, you know, things are such a mess, and this happened to me, and this happened, and I just don't understand it. I don't think God loves me anymore. How could you ever think that? Well, because this is happening, and this is happening, and if He loved me, I wouldn't have to go through anything bad. He would do what I want him to do. He wouldn't have let this happen to me. And you see, the enemy comes in and begins to doubt, cause you to doubt the love of God. And when you begin to doubt God's love, your love is diminished, isn't it? And so I need to have confidence that no matter what happens, he says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Perfect love casts out fear. See, fear comes from maybe something in our past that haunts us. Maybe it's something in the present that upsets us that we're just having to deal with now and it's upsetting and we begin to be afraid. And, or it's something in the future that maybe threatens us and we go, man, look at that. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. This is taking place. And yet you and I should be able to look at the past, look at the present, look at the future. And know, you know what? I don't know about all of that stuff and I don't know how all that is going to play out. But here's what I know. In and through it all, God will always love me. That means God always cares about me. That means God will always do what's best for me. And even when I don't understand why this is happening or this was allowed, I still know God loves me and has not forgotten me. And thus Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, look, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Fear comes from the enemy. But of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what he's given to you. That's what he has for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. We're always confident. Got it? Underline it, highlight it. Always confident. Even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. In other words, I'm not with him yet, but I'm always confident. For we live by believing and not by seeing. That's a great verse to make sure you understand and know. Yes, we are fully confident. Notice what he says again. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. So, whether we're home in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. Why do we want to please Him? Because we love Him. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Now, go down a couple verses from that verse 10, verse 18, 
we will not be punished. We may have lost, but we do, we do not be afraid of judgment. We're not afraid of the judgment day. The judgment day doesn't have any power over us because we're forgiven because of what Christ has done. And I'm going to be accepted by God. And therefore, I can look forward with confidence to what the future holds in this life and in the life to come. And when you love God, you are free from fear because you know no matter what happens to me on this planet, God's going to take care of me because God loves me. I don't have to be afraid. And thus, Jesus, over and over again throughout his ministry, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Doesn't your father care for the sparrows as much? And if he cares for them like that, isn't he going to do the same thing for you? Over and over again. And so you and I have to get through our thick skulls that when we begin to be afraid of what's going on in our life, what we're really doing is doubting God's love for us. In fact, God loves me so much that one day he's going to call me home because he wants me to be with him. And there was a revelation I had a few years ago. I, I, I began to, I learned something. God wants me in heaven more than I want to go to heaven. And I want to go pretty bad. And God cares, and I don't have to be afraid. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death to life. Your sins have been forgiven. We don't have to fear. Romans 8, 38, and I'm convinced Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Why? Because God never stops loving, does he? Death, life, angels, demons, fierce day, worries about tomorrow, powers of hell can't separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above, in the earth below, indeed nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will always love you. He always loves me no matter what. Now, we're all guilty of sometimes not loving him correctly, aren't we? But he still loves me. He's not like some people. Well, if that's the way you're going to act towards me, then forget it. God still loves us. Ephesians 3.14. Here's what the writer said that I think we need to embrace. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Notice his spirit's in us, right? Gives us strength because he lives there. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Notice the interchanging that he uses there. As you trust in him, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. When you understand God's love, you stay strong in him. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully, but you keep pressing on, right? 
then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Wow. Sometimes it's good and probably you should do it almost every day to just pause for a moment, quiet yourself, and just say a very simple little prayer. God, thank you for loving me today. Thank you that no matter what goes on, I know you'll still love me. I never have to doubt your love. And because of that, I know that I can face whatever comes my way because you care for me. That's a great realization, isn't it? That's what John's writing about. That's what John wants us to understand. And then in this section, finally, he's given us a clear command. So, well, okay, Pastor, how do I know I have this love? How do I know I've really embraced it? How do I know I get it? How do I know that I understand it? How, how do I get better at it? How, how does that work? Verse 19, we love each other because he first loved us. He loved me, I am now to love others. And the more I love others, the more I become confident of God's love. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. Now that's pretty strong language, isn't it? For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Remember, God's invisible. I can't see him. But I do see other people that God loves, and I'm called to love them as well, aren't I? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Not a suggestion. Not a, well, if they treat you right. Not if, well, as long as they agree with me. If you love God... You have to love others because our love for God and to other people is a response of God loving us. And when we have God's love, we have a new and greater love for people. And Jesus Christ came to die for people. He came to reveal an invisible God to us. And so now he left and we are now to reveal an invisible God to others by loving them, by caring for them. Pretty straightforward message. Big concept, big idea, critical in importance. So how are you in your um, assurance that you know without a shadow of a doubt God loves you? God loves you. And if you then are confident in that, are you expressing that love to others? That's the question. That's what makes us who we are. So take a moment as I conclude in a prayer. You and God. God, maybe I've doubted it, but I know you love me. And I want to live in that truth. And I never want to forget it or diminish it. And God, 
I want to love others just like you do, just as they are. Help me to love. Lord, tonight we thank you for a message that is very, very simple, but very hard to fully grasp and understand and accomplish. Would you help us to grow in your love? Would you help us to be confident of knowing you love us no matter what we are experiencing day after day after day? That your love is never different for us from one day to the next. It is always the same. That is your character. That is who you are. Thank you. And God, would you help us to love others like you? You have perfect love, we don't. But would you help us to grow in our love for others? That day by day, we will develop a heart for God, a heart that loves people no matter what. Thank you for the life you've given to us and the confidence that we have because of who you are. And we go to live in your love and to share that love with others by the way we live. Be glorified, we pray, in thy name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.